0: necessary. A podcast dedicated to growing up as a TCK and living with it now that we are adults. And today we are going to be discussing the topic of Mayday slash Beltane. Um, mm-hmm. So I will be very honest and upfront. I had to do research on this topic because I didn't really know too much about Mel- Mayday or uh, Beltane. Uh, did you have more of a history with it?
1: Not so much, but it's something that's interesting. It appears in quite a few different places. I mean, May Day in England is something. I don't think people do it too much anymore, but you have the whole thing with the maypole, which essentially is you get people. It has it's a tall pole, and you get streamers and stuff like that, and ribbons which come off it, and you dance around it. Mm-hmm. And so the whole idea of dancing around the maypole comes from that because everybody everybody does it in unison and there are sort of like different ways of dancing around the maypole you can kind of like braid the ribbons around the maypole you can make spider's webs and all sorts of stuff there are different dances that people will do and some of them are more complicated than others and essentially it just involves skipping around it um <laughs> mostly um it's, it's and it, it's always the first of may when that's done um for May Day anyway and I'm not sure how old the tradition is but it does exist in England still to an extent Mm -hmm. people are aware of it and people will even use the phrase sort of like you know you know people will get together and dance around a particular maypole which basically means they all get together and agree on something and then dance around it essentially (laughs) it's kind of it's kind of considered to be um, a little bit sort of what's the word I'm looking for it's a bit of a derogatory remark if somebody goes somebody goes oh they're dancing around that maypole um, it's considered sort of like maybe sort of uh, slightly childish and a little bit sort of um, maybe infantile, even. I think it's suggested that, you know, people were sort of like it's because uh, it is a group activity mm-hmm. dancing around the maypole. Which is a nice thing actually, because it's a celebratory thing. It's a, basically the first day of summer. I mean this is in, in certainly in England, May the first is considered the first day of summer.
0: I was going to say when um, I was doing research, it said that it was halfway between the spring equinox and the summer solstice.,
1: yeah, it pretty much is, and that makes sense really, because it also is kind of like considered to be the opposite to Halloween. so certainly I know that like within the Celtic cultures. Or the cool Celtic, um, you have uh, Halloween, which is like that's the end. That's where the end of the harvesting season and the growing season. So that's when you kind of like get your cattle in. It's when you get all the, all the crops up and finally, you know, um, reaped and all that sort of stuff. Whereas Beltane is kind of the beginning of that season when you can start taking your sheep. Well, the sheep are always out, but cattle <laughs> out and stuff like that. And you can, you know, start the the process of growing food and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it involves the same sort of idea of um, the barriers between um, this world and sort of the spirit world breaking down. But I think it does. It does. Um, Yeah. Because there's certainly not a piece of trivia or such, but did you ever see the original version of um, Fantasia that Disney did?
0: Yeah, I have actually.
1: In the 1940s. You know that one where they have the devil on top of the mountain?
0: Yes. Yeah, that's a really, that, that actually scared me as a kid. I yeah, was a little yeah. afraid of it. And now that I'm older, I'm like, Chernobog is awesome looking. But as a child, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that is so scary.
1: <laughs> but that particular piece of music was written for what we would call Beltane.
0: Oh, that's so um, interesting it's, that it's, they went so, with such a dark theme.
1: Well, it is. That's exactly, that's exactly what the music is about. Hmm. the devil comes out and all sorts of stuff like that because then you know the the, the barriers between this world and the spirit world break down mm-hmm. um and mazorsky is a russian composer so i'm assuming that they have some sort of similar idea of that in some certain parts of russian culture so i'm sure it actually might be a more european thing than we think because obviously people did move around and you do have what were people who were called celts mm-hmm. safely in quotation marks all over all over europe mm-hmm. basically the word celt just essentially is a I think Greek word that just means kind of those people to the north. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't really Stop specif- it. Is specify that true? anybody. Uh, yeah, the f- the first the first I think the Greeks called them Keltoi. And it's a word that refers to people all the way from essentially sort of a Romanian area, I suppose, all the way through Germany and then up through France and then into Britain. Hmm. It, it generally refers to that. I mean, even sort of, like, because they have, like, stuff in, in S- Switzerland, there's a lake called La Mm-hmm. And there's a particular kind of set of weapons that were found there, and they call them La swords, because these are swords that were made and thrown into this lake, and they were considered to be Celtic as well. Hmm. Because um, they shared similar art and culture, so I'm assuming that maybe over the years some of this stuff, like, got carried on in certain areas and didn't carry on so much in others. I mean, I don't know like what it's like in France because I'm assuming that they might have had similar cultural ideas there. But do they do that sort of thing in France? I Is mean, a May Day celebration or something.
0: If they do, I don't remember it. Um, mm. I don't really remember seeing it. Um, but I, mm. I do. I did want to say like when I was doing research, one of the things that was brought up was that both uh, Halloween or Samhain and Beltane were the two times of the year where the world of the our day-to-day life was super close to the spiritual world where like there mm-hmm. was no barrier anymore they were intertwined because it was seen as yeah. two different worlds that sometimes would cross into each other through like fairy rings or portals or whatever mm-hmm. um, and gateways but during uh Beltane and Samhain, they were like the two times of the year where that barrier basically was non-existent um, right. Which is interesting because there's a lot of purification rituals that are actually embedded within mm-hmm. Beltane. So bonfires, which in many different yeah. cultures are seen as a purification ritual. Yeah. Um, dancing. Um, mm-hmm. So there's just a, a lot of like things where it's like, oh, okay, like, this was seen as a time of purification, rebirth, fertility, like a lot of people what they'll do is um what they used to do and still do now there because there are people who practice Beltane now is um they will wear flower crowns or they'll put flowers in their hair a symbol of fertility um and then dancing another symbol of fertility because it's like hey look i can move and then we can move in (laughs) other directions (laughs) um and then
1: there was just on the point of fertility there was some research done into this because more modern interpreters, like people who wanted to do this for, well, they say religious purposes, like Wiccans and Druids and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. um Some academics went and looked into it because they said, oh, what they did was they'd all kind of like not quite have sex parties, but everybody would go out and have sex on this particular day and as a part of the celebration of the arrival of spring. And so people would kind of go, right, so that would mean through all the records of everything that we know what we could do is we would be able to work out from the 1st of May, we have just got to go and see if there's a boom in babies nine months later. Mm-hmm. So they went and checked this, and there isn't one. Oh. So they obviously weren't doing what people thought they were doing.
0: Interesting. So
1: it doesn't It doesn't happen in the way that people say it does. Um, that's the research I've heard. So um, we kind of do... The one thing I know is interesting about this sort of stuff is people like to project ideas that they like to have about the past onto it Mm -hmm. and then treat it if it's real and sometimes it's not entirely true it doesn't matter it's funny because we always go back to looking at the past in order to justify what we do in the present and it's like if you want to do that sort of thing like kind of go we're gonna have this fertility ritual and we're gonna go off and have fun with each other later on i'm putting it politely um (laughs) basically you can do that if you want to but don't go looking to stuff that where, where you know, we can show that it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's fine if that's what you want to do, but I mean, it's just, it's interesting that so much stuff, we know very little about what Celts and those sorts of people were doing, because the only kinds of people that we have writing from are Romans, mm-hmm. particularly Julius Caesar, who wasn't partic- particularly reliable on everything. Yeah, So we did say that, you know, places like Britain were very important for the Druidic cultures in terms of... Um, they were the places where most of the druids came from mm-hmm. or where people who were druids would go to learn apparently. Um, yeah, so. it's
0: it's hard looking back at history, especially when so much of history gets lost when it comes to documentation. Mm. And then a lot of times things get based on oral history. And the problem yes. with oral history is that try telling the same story to different people and get it right every time. You're always going to change yeah. a bit of detail, even if you don't mean to. That's just Mm. how we are. When we tell stories, there's a little bit of an addition to it or a flourish or a change of word. Even actors Mm. do it all the time. You memorize a script, there are still times where you're going to embellish or change the words, which changes the meaning slightly. So I think that's what's so hard with trying to be, as I'm putting it in quotation marks, accurate as possible based on historical evidence because our historical evidence is kind of limited and then you might claim yeah. oh well we have this evidence that says this is what it was and then historians yeah. will go back and they're like nope don't know where you got that evidence from <laughs> yeah. this does not exist sorry
1: yeah uh, it, and it's always a problem with, like looking at sort of particularly like because finding the origins of a custom can be really really difficult at times because mm-hmm. certainly i think certainly within britain and the united Kingdom generally. You have huge problems with sort of the erasure of what you would be considered Celtic cultures, mm-hmm. um, mostly because they tended to survive in places like Ireland and Scotland. Mm-hmm. And then the problem is, is that, and it's not just Scotland; it's Northern Scotland, it's the Highlands. That's where the Celtic culture survived, whereas the sort of southern um, areas of Scotland tended to be more from sort of like what they would call Anglo-Saxon traditions or something like that. Like they, they, they. Saxon kings had invaded into southern Scotland so that used to be part of a kingdom called Northumbria and all that sort of stuff and to the north you had people like the Picts and stuff like that and then later on they became the highlanders were there and they did have a different culture to the people in the south and the problem was is that they they tended to like to cause trouble and they basically their culture was wiped out in the 1700s because not all of it, but a lot of it. Partly because they decided to kind of back a back a uh, a guy they called Bonnie Prince Charlie, who was the son of was it no, I think it was the grandson of James II. Second. Can't remember if it was a son or grandson. I think it's grandson. And they lost at a battle of at the Battle of Culloden. Mm-hmm. And then the British government basically just said, "Right, we're not having this ever again." And, and just basically wiped just them banned out. Banned the speaking, yeah. Banned the speaking of Scots Gaelic. They banned all sorts of stuff. They basically just tore apart the, those parts of the society that were problematic and that was in northern scotland whereas the southern scots were a bit more um a bit happier integrating into things Mm -hmm. because they tended to be protestant they tended to be supporters of well closer to the power bases of england anyway to an extent because you know their royal family was well they were happier supporting a royal family that was protestant than they were catholics
0: Mm -hmm. So. It's harder to control people when they're further away and they have different ideas than yeah. you.
1: Yeah. And so that's the thing is, is uh, kind of bringing it back to the Beltane thing, is that basically you have a kind of cut in the continuity. hmm So a lot of stuff is, in Britain anyway, is being revived from older traditions. So the Welsh kind of look back to some of their stuff. The Scots are looking more and more back to their history. Mm-hmm. And it's particularly Highland history they're very keen on. More so, because it is more distinct Mm -hmm. i mean it's not entirely what they do but i mean it what we recognize as being scottish is what would really have been a more highland type culture like the kilts and all that sort of stuff that's what the highlanders were more likely to do Mm -hmm. so and all the tartan and stuff like that as well so that it's slowly being revived after well it's not that slowly but it's been revived after generations and it is it's an interpretation of what happened before and it's kind of reimagining of the past
0: right it's it's hard so for it to be that. direct because that directness doesn't exist it was gone for so long
1: yeah, yeah. i mean it's deliberately certainly in scotland it was deliberately stopped mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah it's it sucks and unfortunately i think it is something that happens in quite a few different cultures i know that mm-hmm. in louisiana there was a time period where french was basically not allowed like you just you right. couldn't speak french uh, you couldn't learn French in school. Most of the people who spoke French were grandmothers. um, And they right, yeah. spoke their own version of French because it got mixed with different versions of English and some Caribbean languages. And Spanish mm-hmm. got thrown in there as well. So, like, Louisiana Creole and Cajun is very different from French or English. Like, it has right. its own sound and language. And that's because for a while, it was banned. You couldn't speak right. it. And actually, there only has been within the past gen- couple generations a resurgence in French culture and learning about Louisiana's mm. French roots because it was gone for so long. And I, I think there, it's a very interesting dichotomy between, and this does fit with May Day because there are more and more people who are trying to celebrate May Day or Beltane and find meaning within it. But it's Hmm. this dichotomy between making it matter for you within this modern world, but also trying Mm -hmm. to stay in touch with the old roots of what this tradition is, but knowing that you can't 100% fit that old (laughs) tradition because you don't know 100% what happened then because we don't have that information.
1: Yeah. I mean, also, the other thing is one thing we also got to remember is that the majority of us, even if we haven't had like a break in our cultural history, we don't really know what it was like. The majority of people alive now don't really know what it was like in 1917, say, or 1918, when the First World War ended, just to take a particular date, which is obvious to, to remember. Yeah. Westerners, anyway. Um, it's, it, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't recognise the people. We wouldn't recognise the times. We wouldn't recognise any of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it would be vaguely recognisable, but if you look at the footage and stuff like that, the Victorian era, it doesn't look anything like... What we have now Mm-mm. like there might be the odd famous building that happens to be in some of the photographs but the area around it doesn't look anything like what we would expect um think you're thinking of london if you look at that you know we we don't we have we have the historical evidence mm-hmm. but we don't in our minds what we're doing is we create an idea of what it might have been like mm-hmm. yeah, we're... And we also we like to th- yeah, sorry
0: no i was just gonna say we're creating the context We don't know what the context was, so we are creating context based on what we know. And it's through a modern lens. So it's always going to be a little off.
1: Yeah. And we're telling ourselves stories about ourselves more than anything else. Where do we come from? Mm -hmm. We're trying to attach our identity to that history, in a sense, and trying to create... I think we all do this. We we try to create a lineage or a lineage of ideas that comes through the generations to us, which connects us to a particular time or a particular place or to a particular culture Mm -hmm. it's it's a funny it's an interesting thing to do but i think we all do it in different ways and i think the thing is it becomes more i think we find it more odd or difficult when a group of people does it when you know there's been a break right because you can say that's not correct and we know it's not correct but then, in a sense, it doesn't really matter because I mean, if if you, if, you, if your idea of Beltane is essentially to have a celebration where you get together and say it's great, the growing season's back, everything's good, we can go outside again without it being too cold and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, why not? I mean, why not have a day to just say, "Yep, this is the start of summer" or "this is the start of the of the good times," and let's enjoy it. I mean, it's partly what Beltane was about in the first place. It doesn't really matter what whether you have the gods or not, does it? Yeah. I mean, for some people it does, but I mean, you know, you could could make it part of your culture.
0: For sure. And actually, referring to the gods, the one thing I was able to find is that Beltane Mm. is tied to the Celtic sun god Belenus, which I thought was interesting um mm-hmm. which makes sense for the bonfires that it's attached to a sun god. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a yeah. really cool like little tidbit of information I was actually able to find cuz I was like there's <laughs> like like we've been saying there really isn't that much like evidence that we can find so we're kind of just speculating. Mm. We're just spitballing here. We're figuring it out as we <laughs> go along. Um I think the one thing we need to be careful of is Being aware that we are spitballing instead Mm -hmm. of saying, like, this is factual truth. It's like, well, we don't know what the factual truth is. But if we're honest and we say, like, hey, we're kind of spitballing, we think this is what it is. And if you're cool with it, we're going to roll with it. And I think that's a Mm -hmm. better and healthier way of approaching looking back at history and trying to bring that into the modern world.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because... One has to be aware of when one is constructing things. Mm-hmm. And culture is culture is a fluid process anyway. It changes all the time. I think it's interesting how we try and lock it in position. The thing is, it, it evolves and changes just as people do. Oh, yeah, so- for
0: sure. Oh, my gosh. I had the moment where I realized that like I know so little about my French culture as a younger mm-hmm. half-French person because I was watching – there's a show on Netflix called The Circle – which is Mm -hmm. a really interesting show if you have access to Netflix and want to watch it. It's really fascinating. It looks at how, like, we use social media as a platform to communicate with each other, but it's a reality show, so it's fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And (laughs) they have a version that was set in France. So I was like, oh, I'm interested. I want to see how it works in the French version. So I started watching Mm -hmm. it, and I realized that I was actually spending quite a bit of time looking at the... um, Subtitles because I Mm. could understand a good portion of what was happening, but actually, there's so much new slang and terms that I Uh. didn't grow up learning or using that I honestly was sometimes lost as to what was going on, and I had to rely on the subtitles and the context of what was happening. And the mm-hmm. and how they were sounding, like if they sounded happy or angry to understand what that word was because I just right. I had never heard it before. And that was one of those moments where I was like, yeah. I I identify partly as French. I, I identify myself also mm-hmm. as an American, but that was a moment where I was like, Oh, I'm I'm part French, but I'm not all French because yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely did not know what was going on. <laughs> There were just so many terms where I was like, I have no idea where that even comes from. Like, the context of hmm. that slang was lost on me. Like, I just didn't yeah. know what it was. So it was it was very weird where I was like, oh, this is French, but I am so unfamiliar with what's happening. Yeah.
1: Well, there's even, like, some, some slang in sort of like that appears. As like, you notice it's sort of like even within England. I think there's a difference. I'm talking about England specifically now because that's where I've been. Um, but there's a difference in slang from the north to the south. There are words that you hear in the north that you just won't hear in the south. Mm-hmm. And it's it's obvious slang. But the thing is, you have to sit there and work out what somebody is saying. Is like, what does that word mean? What does that word mean? And you start to start to realize what it means because you know, because I speak a very sort of like formal, comparatively formal English. So sort of having to look at how somebody communicates with somebody else, it can be quite difficult have been sort of like strange occasions where somebody will sort of like like somebody will be interested in trying to get some information about where i'm working you know they want they want to they want to ask about a service and they will deliberately send you messages in a broad yorkshire accent like they, they they type like they're speaking to their friends and you're kind of going we're not going to understand some of us don't come from here you've got to give us a chance
0: Please, we want to help you. We want to be able to communicate. <laughs> That's help so... us to help you. <laughs> That's so funny because it, it is an example of how culture shifts because a lot of mm. times it's referred to as like English culture, but English culture in itself is fractured into a bunch of different little things, just like American yes. culture is not one monolithic thing. It's a bunch of little things no. that build up into a bigger culture, but even within that like yes. there are people who are from New York that do their own New York thing that if someone from LA would look at it, they would not recognize it or they they would yeah. have a vague understanding of what it was. And just think that's so yeah. interesting because we refer to entire countries or entire cultures as one specific unchanging thing and that's just yeah it's not true it constantly is shifting and changing
1: which is what i find interesting about so much stuff when people talk about culture it's always the the thing is is that it seems like everybody like no matter who they are seems to think that sort of culture is almost can be or is frozen in time Mm -hmm. as if it doesn't change as if it has never changed what we understand now as culture is what people have always understood to be culture. And so you can say, that's our culture, you know, a hundred years ago, and it's still part of our culture now. And I don't think it would be for most people. I think we wouldn't, you know, if we went back to look at it, we wouldn't know what it was. I mean, we would find it really difficult. And if they came forward, I mean, they'd, perfectly, they'd probably be perfectly able of, capable of learning, as, just as we'd be capable of learning if we went back. But I think it would be really difficult if you were to transport someone who was, say, an adult and send them back to somewhere else and then say, right, now you've got to deal with this. And say, well, it's not the same culture I'm used to. I suppose it's a kind of a thing that maybe being a TCK, it means that you can think about culture not just in place, but also in time. Yes, in a way.
0: absolutely. And I totally agree with that. And a- another example I have for me is I lived in Korea when I was very small. Mm. I was about... I want to say six or seven I was a little bitty mm. one and <laughs> now that I've gotten older I look at Korea and I'm like that's not the Korea I remember when I was little mm. because Korea yeah. has become this bigger very modernized high tech like lots of things are going on It it's definitely changed and altered slightly from what I remember when I lived there and I was younger and it's so fascinating because. When people say like, oh, well, you lived in Korea, what is it like? I know that they're thinking about it from this modern context of what's going on Mm -hmm. in Korea now. And part of me has to say like, well, I was there when I was little and that was 20 years ago. It has changed dramatically since that time. So I can't speak on what your image of Korea is because... I've never see. i never seen that version of Korea. I haven't interacted yeah. with it since I was that seven-year-old child. And so it's yeah, this yeah. interesting pattern of like, we have been to different cultures and we have seen snapshots of that culture in that time. And it's fascinating mm-hmm. how as you move away from it, you love it and you find something very beautiful about it. And there's all these different experiences, but there's also this realization of, when I go back, it'll probably be different. That was actually something yes. <laughs> that happened when I took my partner <laughs> to France. Um, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. taking him to all these places and I was like, oh my gosh, this place that I loved is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. It mm. was like, well, when were you last here? And I was like, well, two years ago. And he was like, well, there you go. That's why he didn't see it. <laughs> Not two years, it was like a couple months. But it, even within that time frame, things shift and change. It, they happen in our cities. Yeah. We just don't notice it because that's our everyday life.
1: Yeah, I mean it's depressing really but I mean with, with the pandemic and stuff you notice a lot of changes like in the city I'm living in, in York you can see that a lot of shops, retail shops have been shutting down over the past year mm-hmm. so um, brands like Debenhams, their shops shut, I mean the, the, these are British sort of brands and then there was another clothing store called Top Shop which got bought out and now that shop's closed so I remember being able, like when I was coming to on holiday to Britain in the summers I think from about I can remember going there from about the age of fourteen. Mm-hmm. It was the same shop; it was always there. I went there last summer to buy some stuff, and now it's gone. And it's just like it's a shift, and that's going to be a cultural shift as well because people won't go there anymore. It won't be a brand that people use and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. because things have changed. I mean, it's partly because of the pandemic, but a lot of bad management as well. That's mm-hmm. part of the reason it's gone bust. Yeah, but um, it's it's that sort of thing, and it's just like you know, kind of going. Back to like Beltane and stuff like that. I think reviving certain old cultural things is a good idea as well. Because I think one of the things that's interesting in Britain anyway is that, or the UK in general, is that people refer to sort of like what would be normally considered a national holiday uh, as they refer to them as bank holidays, and they always occur on certain points in the year. And I have no idea when they are. I've never learnt. But the thing is, is because they they don't see they, you know they don't feel tied to an event they're not tied to like okay so why don't we have a holiday when the equinox is because then it's marked and then why don't we have a holiday on halloween and why don't we have a holiday on beltane and why don't we have a holiday on the summer solstice because we have one at the winter solstice Mm -hmm. but we don't have and we have one for new year but we don't have them through the rest of the year so we have this whole festival season that sort of starts in december and ends on the first of January and then we don't have any more we don't have any other kinds of festivals and the thing is the holidays were given it doesn't i don't think it creates that sense of community whereas i think something like beltane would because it is about community
2: mm-hmm.
1: christmas is about family new year is everybody knows about that i mean that doesn't it doesn't matter about religion or anything on that sense because it's just like it's marked the calendar we know when that happens and we agree that that's when it happens mm-hmm. so the thing is if you did that for for all sorts of other festivals i think it would bring more people together just because like having bank holidays i suppose it's it's nice because it's totally secular so nobody has to feel like it's um referring to one particular religious group but at the same time it's not attached to anything at all it doesn't feel attached to like a like a an event that you would see in the year something that you can say ah so this is happening on this day Mm -hmm. you know it has no cultural meaning yeah exactly apart from it's just there (laughs) So I just think it would be nice if people like the idea of having Beltane and reviving it and using it is a good idea to me because I don't really understand why we don't do it and May Day. I think, you know, why not? Yeah.
0: You actually mentioned something before we started recording and I thought it was so funny because I genuinely thought it wasn't a real thing. Um is the Morris dancers is that what you called them? All oh,
1: right, yeah. I'm not entirely sure if they're completely associated with this particular day, but it seems like the kind of thing that you would have. It's Yeah, so it's strange. I I, mean, they... I had
0: heard of Morris men specifically from a novel by Terry Pratchett called mm-hmm. I Shall Wear Midnight and it's part of a mini series within the Discworld like saga that he wrote where um the lead character dances with the Winter Smith who's like supposed to be a representation of winter. And mm. she dances with him in a Morseman dance. And when I was reading it, I was like, yes. well, this is kind of like a fantasy novel. This is probably something that's within this world. And then when you said that, oh, no, they're like real things. I'm like, oh, so it's real. just English culture. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was there was a... Because um, they have like Boris dance teams, I suppose that's the way you put it, or dance groups maybe is the best way of putting it. And there was... Because they have that like, these summer sometimes like you know music festivals and stuff like that, and so you get Morris men going to them because it's just part of like folk music thing. So they do it, and apparently I don't know where in England it was. It would have been in England, but there was a pub sign that says um, "Everyone welcome except for the Morris men. They cause too many fights." Because <laughs> apparently what was going on is is that two the, the, that two groups of Morris men would meet, get drunk, and then start fighting each other. Oh my god! Apparently. I don't know how true it is, but like, because the thing is that they've got like, they've got all these bells strapped to them, so you can hear them a mile off, so you know when one group comes towards another group, you can hear them. (laughs) And the thing is also part of the Morris dancing involves using big sticks that look rather like large rolling pins, and they knock them against each other. Okay. (laughs) And so basically, if a bunch of people would turn up with that sort of thing, you're probably going to be in a bit of trouble. Oh no. Um, You know, if they decide to have a fight. (laughs) I don't... It's apparently true. I don't know how true it is, but apparently it is. It was something like that, anyway. I'm not sure how closely associated it is with sort of like um, New Year... I'm sorry, not New Year, but May Day and Beltane. But, I mean, it's something that exists and it's... Again, that's something that people claimed was really old. But it apparently isn't as old as they think. It's probably not even medieval. Because they claimed it went back to a sort of like pagan time before Christianity. And people said, we can't find any evidence of it whatsoever. (laughs) It's another example of the same thing. And it's particularly an English thing that people say goes back generations all the way back to whenever, before, before history was written. And it's not true, as far as anybody can see.
0: That's so funny.
1: Normally you would find some sort of record of something somewhere. Like in a parish somewhere you'd find a record of people doing this sort of stuff. Because the church would normally keep quite good records and there's a church in every village. So somebody in the t- village probably could write... So they might have been taking notes on stuff and what was going on. And also the Lord of the Manor would have been interested in what's going on and all that sort of thing. So, but there just apparently isn't any evidence of it until more recently. I don't know how recently, but it's, it's not as old as people make it out to be. But people want it to be older because I think it justifies it, which is interesting.
0: That is interesting. I just love that image of um guys strapped with a bunch of bells on them getting into a very loud fight because I'm sure those bells were (laughs) a (laughs) jangling.
1: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It would be quite funny because you know those things you had when you you know those bells you had when you were a kid. Like they would have like these sort of I don't know. They're about sort of um. I don't know. They're about two centimeters across. You know those bells you could get like they had like several on them and like a stick and you'd shake it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of bell that they've got. And they're just like, hun- like, they've got them strapped around their legs. So when they move their legs, it just jingles. So the thing is, when, they, when they're walking down the street, you can hear them a mile off because they don't bother taking the bells off. <laughs> it, it's really weird because sometimes like, I'm at work and I just suddenly hear the bells and they're going, ah,
0: uh, the what Morse, the that? The and Morse just men like, are and here. There's a Morris
1: man going past, yeah. <laughs> it's really weird.
0: I love that. That's such a great image. Um,. <laughs> but yeah, so that's our kind of weird tangent on May Day yeah. and Beltane. <laughs> um, but we hope you enjoy listening to this. Um, mm. Just so y'all know, we are on Twitter at Passport uh, Necess... One, so that's passport n-e-c-e-s-s-1 we are also on youtube you can find us on Mm -hmm. any wonderful podcast home uh, such as spotify or apple podcasts we are also hopefully going to be releasing a facebook group soon so we absolutely Mm -hmm. want you to join that we're very excited to be releasing it um Please, if you have listened to our episodes and you've enjoyed them, leave us a comment, a review, like our videos on Facebook or on YouTube. We're not on Facebook yet. Um, But definitely do that because the more interaction with it, uh, the more people get to listen to our fun podcast, which we really enjoy recording and have a a blast. Mm -hmm. If you can't tell from the number (laughs) of times I cackle in each episode. (laughs) Um, So until next time. Bye, Marcus.
1: Right, bye later.